0: Welcome to the fat Field Family Podcast, where every week we talk about things like nutrition, training,
1: how to live a healthy and active lifestyle with your little ones, peaceful parenting, education,
0: and of course, mindset.
1: Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Keto Counterculture, at fat Mom, and at fat Kids. And search for fat Family on YouTube.
0: To stay up to date with everything we're doing, sign up with your email at www.fatfuel.family and check out our blog for workouts, meal ideas, and all the other cool stuff we love to talk about.
1: Don't forget to hit subscribe.
0: All right, welcome to the Fat Fuel Family Podcast. I am Danny Vega and I'm joined by my wife, Maura. How are you, my love?
1: Good. Busy.
0: Maura's matching me now. She's got some really, really cool blue light blocking glasses that make her look
1: I'm not going to lie. I think I don't have a problem sleeping like you do. Um, So I don't think it helps me with sleep. But I find that it might help me with like headaches throughout the day.
2: Oh, wow. Because of
1: just like staring at a screen.
0: I like to hear that. That's really good to hear. Um, I am going to take issue with you saying I have a problem sleeping because I feel rested. Even though I don't sleep a lot. Yeah, my aura aura rings. Well, this is my, um, this is the way I'm rationalizing it. On a night like last night, where I was in bed at nine thirty, mm-hmm. and I woke up at five today, I gave myself yeah, extra I know. My time. My alarm went
1: off, and I saw that you were in bed. So, because I, I decided, decided
0: last night that I was going to sleep sleep a little bit extra, and um, the crazy thing is that my both my my REM sleep and my deep sleep were both thirty minutes, which is which sucks. Um, I can, a
1: good number for that. I don't know what. what
0: it- I think you want to try to be aiming for like twenty percent of your sleep in each of them. So maybe 40% total, 20% each. So it it was nothing I can, I can get by. I think the deep sleep is not as important for, um, over time because that's supposed to restore your body physically. And I'm just the type that I think my body's just fine physically and I don't worry about it. But what bothers me is the REM sleep because that's when we store memories. That's when we you know, all the things we learned that day. If you're not having REM sleep, it's just not physically possible to wow. do that. So whatever. I'm trying. And uh I cut down my caffeine, but today I'm going back on that because I'm having
1: And we have a late road trip that we're taking. We
0: have spend. a late road trip. We're gonna be going to sleep later. We have a very packed day. Um a uh, quick update, TP update, um the toilet paper situation. <laughs> we're almost He's done. So I'm so offended. My mother in law came and she, I wasn't here and she bought one ply toilet paper and I've been using one ply toilet paper and I've just been every single step along the way, just not liking it at all.
1: Yeah. Every time you're like, oh, which is a lot because <laughs> you're in the bathroom quite a bit. So yeah, it's that's not a good cool. thing because then you like wasted it. Like you went through Yeah,
0: that's true. I'm going quick. I'm just like yeah. a madman. Like, like that, that meme where like Leonardo DiCaprio sh- shooting the money. I know avocados extra and just, oh, yeah. that's what He's I'm like, doing like, with How? the toilet paper. That's the best meme I have All right, one quick announcement, and then I want to introduce our guest, who is someone that we both really look up to, and um, we've read what he's done, and he's got a bunch of new, really cool um, things going on. But I wanted to just say one time uh, today, just... Update you guys. I think that the Patreon is something that we truly appreciate. All of our supporters who's who've been uh, joined our Patreon group. Um, of course, it helps us a ton because we are, you know, using an editor, uh, my good friend Chris Ducket, who does great work, and you know, hundreds of dollars a month on that, and it does help support us financially. Now, that's the part that makes me feel kind of dirty inside because I'm saying help us, but. You know, I've been told that, that it's okay to ask for help, and so I'm trying to do that. Um, but the other thing is that you you get a bunch of benefits, and our, our members love the benefits that they get. There's different levels. For $4 a month, that's the lowest level. You get access to our private Facebook group. You get um, just a bunch of stuff. And quarterly you, gift. Quarterly gift is a little bit higher. I think it's – Oh, okay. Yeah. But uh and we you do start get,
1: doing like special podcasts.
0: Yeah. Well well they're getting the Facebook group is getting advanced um unedited copies, but the unedited copies are just fine. They just don't have the the worst part according to you, which is the intro. The intro yes, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um and uh they've really appreciated that. They also get some Fatfield Family swag and um just a bunch of cool stuff. So they've liked it so far and we're very grateful for our patrons and we're also grateful. For all of you listening right now, um, if you want, go ahead and stop this and make sure that you're subscribed and make sure that you leave us a five star rating and review because this helps us grow our platform. This helps us, um, get visible to more people who are like, who the heck is this guy trying to get me on, on his podcast? And, you know, w- we need a little bit more notoriety to get certain people on. It's just the name of the game. Yeah. So we appreciate that, but enough of this banter. Let's. So what's
1: the site though? They go patreon.com slash fatfield family.
0: Yeah, that's it. Thank you, my love. I just didn't even mention that. Yeah, patreon, e o n.
1: Wow,
0: R-E-O-N. <laughs> <laughs> patreon.com slash fatfield family. All right. So this week's guest is Marcus Aurelius Anderson. Um, if you guys, Don't know the first two names, um, and you've heard us talk about Marcus Aurelius. Shame on you. Um, (laughs) He was named after the greatest Roman emperor and my favorite ancient Stoic philosopher. Um, While preparing to deploy with the U.S. Army, Marcus suffered a severe spinal injury that left him paralyzed from the the neck down. His life was turned upside down, and after dying twice on the operating table— Um, He was told he would never be able to walk or use his hands again. Days turned into months and he was forced into life changing soul searching. He discovered he was left with two choices. He could either be a victim or he could change his mindset. Having no other option, he began looking for any lessons to be learned from his injury and soon discovered that his adversity was a gift. And that's the name of his book, The Gift of Adversity. Um, we highly recommend it. We're going to add the to the show notes the um, interview he did with us on the Ketogenic Athlete Podcast. That was great. But nowadays, he speaks, teaches, and writes to inspire others to actualize their full potential and achieve their goals and aspirations. He gave an awesome TEDx talk where he talked about the gift of adversity. And we're also going to link that in the show notes as well as his book. Welcome to the show, Marcus Aurelius Anderson. What's up, man?
2: Oh man, thank you so much to both of you for having me on. I'm I'm honored to be here and it's great to get to have a conversation with you both. I'm excited.
1: Awesome. So Thanks are we so much. And every time I hear that story, I'm just like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like such an awesome story. Um All right. Well, we'll lead off with our our like first and famous question. <laughs> what is the most critical problem you are currently trying to solve?
2: Uh, I think it's the question and the problem that all of us have if we're entrepreneurs or if we're in business. And it's the, the question of where do we allocate our time and where do we allocate yeah. our <laughs> energy? Oh, good. Uh, uh, yeah. Right. Um, Man, we've heard this one. This is fourth or fifth time. That, yeah, you uh, might be
1: the fourth or fifth person, which is, is it's just such goes a big to show problem. that it is a problem. Yeah. Yep. It's, like a, it's it, it, hard it's a, to do. It is.
2: It, it's a problem. And, and the thing is, I've talked to people that have some of my clients or have multi-million dollar companies and the problems that they have are still the problems that somebody that has a $50,000 company has, which is there's more zeros attached to it, but it's still the idea of, do I take this opportunity or do I take the opportunity to spend more time over here doing these things? So it's about finding out what is truly a priority and then having the experience and the wisdom to make the right decision as opposed to going the wrong direction. So if I have a speaking engagement that's going to pay me a certain amount of money, but you know, I realized that maybe I should probably cut back a little bit and spend more time on myself or my family. It takes, you know, some self-control to say, you know what, I'm going to let this money go and stay doing these things or, um, either where to speak. I, I had a speaking engagement in Denver not too long ago and I wasn't getting paid what I would normally charge, but it was because I truly believed in what I was talking about with those people as opposed to being paid a certain fee. Uh, for where people want me to come and it's essentially a pitch fest. <laughs> so my integrity has to be something that's not for sale in the in the confines of finding out what's the correct thing to do. So yeah, um and the, the more successful we get, the more opportunities that there are. So we have to be even more vigilant with that sort of selectivity.
0: That's so true. And I think one of the things that at least for me, I noticed that the main problem people are facing with the the whole time management I I do see people who are working their butts off doing the wrong thing. I do see that. But I don't nearly see that as much as I see people who are paralyzed by the options and paralyzed by, you know, figuring out what to do that they do nothing. Have you noticed that in your experience?
2: I have. And it's uh, analysis paralysis is a real thing. It's very easy to get overstimulated or to chase the night, look at the next shiny object. And like you said, so. In, in lieu of, of taking any action whatsoever, they stand there. But in, in my book, and I talked to you about this before, Danny, um, my squad leader, whenever we were learning to, to clear houses, whenever we were learning to kick in doors and to, you know, go into close quarter combat, he asked me one time, he says, Anderson, do you know what kills more people than IEDs and bullets? Friendly fire? Indecision. Oh, indecision. Yeah. Indecision. Yeah. indecision. Wow, yeah. And the perfect example was we had a guy that hit the door and kicked the door and he took, he took fire and he stood there. Oh, so by standing there, we all stacked up. So now there's six guys that were able to be taken out with one AK 47 or one grenade. So just like what we're talking about, it's important about being decisive. And he says, if you're leading men, which is what he was teaching me to do, he says, I would rather you go out there, make the wrong decision and pivot on the fly then sit around and try to make the correct decision. And the the classic example we hear is, is MacArthur was oh, like, a violently, edu- a violently executed plan right now is better than a perfectly executed next, next week because at least it's being decisive. You have violence of action. You're being aggressive with commitment as opposed to not knowing what to do next. And so that's a, a pretty good example of that. I would agree.
1: Yeah, I totally am working on that because <laughs> I can be someone who gets... I'm also kind of a, a, well, I am a perfectionist. So if it's not perfect, but then it doesn't get done. Um, And I also have such a hard time making decisions for some reason, but Danny is the total opposite. (laughs) That's a good thing because it balances it out. And then it's just something that I've been... Working on, you know, like just making a decision, like even if it's not perfect, like getting it out there, mm-hmm. like even if it's the YouTube per- video isn't like perfectly edited, like it doesn't matter. Just put it out there, you know. And it's so true. It's just a waste of time to sit there and think about it, you know.
2: Well, and and, and our perception of re- of perfection is going to evolve. Yeah. Right. You may put something out that's completely perfect now, and like you said, you look on it six months later, you're like, oh my god, this is trash. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's That's such a good point, man. That's why your book is so awesome because like, you know, adversity and roadblocks and even our own, um, our own kind of, um, what's the word? It's just, you know, shortcomings. So things that we're not good at. Like I think of one of our favorite YouTube channels, it's the, um, uh, what's his bucket list family? So oh, yeah. bucket list family, if you look at their first videos, he's learning how to edit and it's not great. And the sound and the videos, not great, but like, it's still engaging. And that's one thing that over time, since I've made so many, like really hard decisions quickly and you get better at it. Like, you know, when I went to Columbia, I only applied to Columbia. When I went to UF, I only applied to UF. And it was like, that singular focus and make that decision, you get more confidence to make the make a, a quick decision in the future. It's kind of like a muscle.
2: Yeah, that's exactly it. And and in anything that we do, there is but one level of commitment, and that is total.
0: <sighs> love that. I love that. And 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 with the adversity thing, it's it's so important to keep that in mind. And another thing that the Stoics taught, and I know we're gonna talk about the Stoics because both of us love the Stoics. Um, and you know, they, they talk about that is like having the will to continue doing the same thing, yeah. um, regardless of when you think the outcome's going to happen or if it's going to happen at all. I think there's a really good segue for the next question. Cause this is one of the, the things that I've been struggling with is, you know, and I, and I, yesterday had me thinking a lot in the morning. I do part of my morning routine is I read the daily stoic. This is like the Third year in a row, I think, or something that I've going through. Uh, it started in two seven two thousand seventeen. So I've done at least one and a half two full years. Yeah. And every time, you know, you you read some of the ones, um, you're they don't hit you right one year and then the next year maybe they hit you right. in, in a so, different way. Okay. And yesterday they were talking about I think it was a cynical quote on how the the effective person is is when the, co- when the challenge comes, this person steps up to the challenge, but this person is not going out of their way to seek conflict. And I, I, I was really conflicted with that one because, you know, I'm trying to balance that living that simple life, like the Stoics taught and having, you know, focusing on the right things. But then at the same time, challenging ourselves, which I always want to do, challenge myself and find ways to put myself out of my comfort zone. To grow mentally and spiritually um, what what are your thoughts on this man how do we how do we kind of thread the needle with with those two things
2: and that's an excellent an excellent question Danny there's um, my book came out, and uh, I had people that will come at me sideways saying, you know how can you call adversity a gift or whatever but uh, luckily since then David Goggins' book has come out a few months ago um, <laughs> he's, he's,
0: right. he's insane
2: so yeah yeah so yeah. By, by comparison he's way over on one side and I'm sort of you know David Goggins' light over here, where it's, I'm trying to, <laughs> to give some of the stuff, but Goggins is amazing. I respect, you know, respect him like crazy, obviously, but, but that's where it is. Um, Marcus Aurelius really says, you know, be, be disciplined with yourself and be kind with others, you know, have that patience. Yeah. Right. So what we do is for most of us, especially everybody on this conversation, we're all very physical. So what we understand is the best way to get better at something is to add a little bit of weight every day. And the way that I do that is I do it with micro adversities.
0: Nice. Okay. So nice. what are, what are some good examples of, of things that you do? Like, like those that are, they're kind of in your, they're not these crazy things. You're not trying to, you're not trying to break the pull-up record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Like you're not like running <laughs> crazy.
0: Broken but... legs, run a marathon <laughs> yeah. with broken legs. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, something that I did recently was, um, and, and everybody here is keto. Um, I did a five day fast and I,
0: Oh, nice. And nice.
2: I did it with, uh, I, I say I did it with, but, um, Tom Bill did it a while back. And then the last time I was in California, I was lucky enough to get to meet him and I told him, you know, he said, Oh, you're keto. We were talking about that. And I said, the next time you do a five day fast, you know, announce it on social media and I'll try to do it with you in tandem. And, you know, I was, there was a couple of things that he put up and, you know, I kind of sent a message. I was like, Hey, man, you know, you're almost there. Keep stay strong. And, um, it was funny because. I was on day four of my five day fast and I had a speaking engagement. So there was part of me, that, wow. again, this is new territory for me. This is a new idea for me, but I'd already given a commitment to Tom Gilly really that I was going to do it starting that Sunday. So that accountability kept me going. And again, that was a micro adversity for me. You know, maybe other people didn't know what was going on, but I wanted to see what my body would do. And sure enough, once I was done with that five day fast, I actually realized that I could have gone six or seven days. I could have gone eight or nine days. Oh, yeah. And our, our, our oh, yeah. ancestors, that's what they were doing, right? They would kill something 250,000 years ago. They would eat it. And if they couldn't find something else to eat for a week, they were fine because they were already in a ketogenic state. They were fat adapting. And that's what their body preferred. Um, the people that start going through fast now that have been eating carbohydrates, the reason why those three days at the beginning are so hard is because they get the keto flu, right? Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. The yep.
0: <laughs> they got to get exactly. out of that car burning thing. That's it. So true, man. So
2: that that to me is a good example again about your mentality. Uh listen to uh maybe a side of the political spectrum that you don't normally listen to and then ask yourself, is what they're saying, why am I getting so upset about it? Is it hurting me? <laughs> right? Yeah. Is it challenging? I love
0: you? that because that's a that... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Maybe, go ahead.
2: You're fine. I mean, th- but that's the reality. It's like it's not really hurting me. It's just making me kind of question myself and What I try to do every day is I try to find a a chink of my own armor. Oh, that's good. So if I can find an area where I'm weak, that protects me from being sideswiped by adversity or somebody else that tries to point it out to me. So if I can get out in front of it, it's really impossible for it to be used against me. And so I I just try to find these small things that I can do every day. Um, Obviously, physicality is a a good way to do it. By the way, we push ourselves with sprints or with lifting weights or... Uh, again, even with food, if if we're used to having lunch every day at noon, and I push it back and say I'm going to wait until one o'clock, right. now I've delayed my gratification, and I can lead that over into any other arena of my life if I so choose because I have this.
0: There, there's a few things in there that that I thought were awesome, and the first one is you talked about like when when you're talking about um, a, a different opinion. <laughs> this could be for politics, nutrition, anything like you, you, you yeah. basically what you're saying about asking yourself why this is happening. It's, it's, this is something that I'm really trying to teach my son. And it's that, you know, that, um, who was it who said it? Well, Victor Frankel, you know, the st- between stimulus and response, there's a space. And every time you're mindful, you put some space in between that stimulus and the response yeah. and it gives you a second to think, you know, like, I love that. That's something that if everybody did that, it would be a lot less, shoot, we'd fight less. I'll tell you that because sometimes we don't do it. My wife and I. Right.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, that's a, that's that a big one. And then the other one was, I'm trying to think the other one that you were talking about with the, um, Oh yeah. So I wanted to ask you real quick is, is the, the ways that you're trying to find these chinks is this just from is it from meditation is it just from introspection or are are you doing like certain routines like, that like surfaces
1: you yeah know, like comes up
2: yeah and and it's it's all sort of part of that it's there was a, a zen concept that they say and they're like the minute that you think that you're completely enlightened go spend the holiday with your family.
1: Oh, that's good. Love it. That's, that's good.
2: That's perfect. <laughs> right? Because when we're, when we're around people we don't know, it's like, Oh, how are you being offended by that? And maybe it's have so a true. A family member that you've known your whole life and you're like, get out of my room. It's like this whole other feeling. So yeah, it's, it's all about being very self aware. And I try not to really judge myself on any of those things. And I think we talked about it maybe before Danny, but what I try to do is I just try to absorb knowledge irrespective of source without really judging it and just try to find the truth or the useful tidbit that I can get from that. So okay. now I can take something. Yeah. So now I don't judge it. I don't care what side of the spectrum I take it from. Um, if it's something that I can use, because here's why it's not about my ego. It's about me learning information that I can potentially pass on to somebody else. Yeah. So that's truly intellectual empathy that yeah. allows me to absorb that, to give to someone else. So that's the way I look at it. So even if it's something I don't want to use, maybe this is information that can behoove somebody else in the long run. Right, And that to me is where that responsibility lies.
0: Intellectual okay. empathy. I, I love, love that, that man. People need to have intellectual empathy. It's one of the things that I know that there are visceral reactions to certain things that that sometimes I'll write something or someone else who is, is a little bit more in tune with this stuff and people will be like, oh, I didn't know he liked that person or I didn't know he agreed with that person. I'm like, well, if I agree with that person, 99 or or I agree with that person on one things out of a 100, um, it's still one. Like everybody has the opportunity to be your teacher and um, yeah. to your ability to do that, I think. Is really going to help you help a lot of people because some people, they don't relate to certain ways. And if you know all the ways, then you'll be able to be more, that much more effective with your message.
2: I absolutely agree. It's almost like being able to speak different languages. If, if I'm giving somebody the God's honest truth, but I can't speak Spanish and that's <laughs> only the only language that they speak, then that's not their fault. It's my fault, right? So I yeah. have to meet them where they are in as, every, in as many capacities as I possibly can.
1: Love it. Awesome. All right. Well, you, uh, you've spoken a lot about like, the parallels between martial arts training and having the right mindset. Can you tell our listeners about your storied martial arts journey, the challenges you faced after the accident, and how this continues to help you forge a bulletproof mindset?
2: Absolutely. And I think that's something that people sort of overlook. Uh, for myself, I started doing martial arts when I was 11 and it was what actually eventually led me to under, to to get some understanding of stoicism because i started i, I tried to read meditations when i was 13
0: <laughs> i remember the <this> story <laughs> and oh, yeah. was,
2: right and it just <laughs> went over my head and i go this is pre internet too so i go back to the bookstore trying to find a second book by him and the people are like listen he wrote one book that was it <laughs> um, but what it did is it it pushed me back into the philosophy section where i was looking originally and I saw the cover of the book uh of the Dao Te that had Chinese writing on it, which reminded me of the writing that I saw in my class. So that was my gateway philosophy to understanding stoicism better. And it what I saw was just that commonality of simplicity. um, Again, you know, doing one thing at a time and doing it well. And that really kind of is what stuck with me. And that mental resilience is built into the martial arts. It's sort of cut you from that cloth if you want to do those things well. And the beauty of the martial arts is it gives you a tremendous amount of humility because at any given time, there's somebody in the room that can probably put you in your place. You know, if you feel like you're getting a little bit bigger, yeah. you know, then you're not, Absolutely. then your ego really is. That's so true, man. I and love that aspect of it. it. It truly is. If you have somebody that's being a loud mouth and there's always somebody that can kind of look at them. And usually with just a look, you can see that person kind of, their demeanor change a little bit, which is again, it's, it's very humbling. But the other idea was, at least for me, Going into the into the military, again, martial arts, martial means warlike. And I'd wanted to join the military for a while, but I always had an excuse not to. And when I kind of went down to brass tacks after what had happened to me, that really pushed me into that. And for me, my saving grace, what actually got me back to getting back on my feet, literally, even after I got medically retired and was learning to be able to, I was able to walk and take care of myself, was the martial arts. Because being able to walk and take care of yourself is one thing, but being able to handle a, a blade or a stick or a, a pistol or a punch or a kick or a jujitsu move or a shoe wrestling move is entirely at a different level. And so that was like a very pragmatic physical therapy, if you will, that really made me get that dexterous capacity back and that mentality back and that focus. And that's where the beauty comes in. Again, it comes down to simplicity. If I'm swinging a blade, the only thing that matters in that moment is the arc of where that blade goes and then the defense from that and then the reciprocation. So just like with us, if we are focusing on just that stroke of that movement of the positive and negative of that repetition in the exercise we do, everything else falls away. Nothing else matters. So it's like this physical meditation and that's how we can reinforce it in everything else that we do. So that's what really kind of helped me. And and it, it also gave me tremendous confidence again. And then I um, I um had black belts before I was injured, but then after I was recovering again, I actually was able to get certified in Jeet Kune do under Bruce Lee's protege, Guru D'Ada Nosanto, which had been a lifelong dream of mine, but I never thought that it would happen, especially after my injury. But by just laying one foot in front of the other and just continuing to do the right thing for the right reasons, it eventually led me down the path where that that was able to happen to me. So... Very grateful for that and honored by that. And he is a great representation of all these things that we're talking about. Um, I'll tell you a quick story, and then I'll we'll get back. Um, I talked about understanding the absorbing knowledge. He was talking about one of his instructors, Guru Inasanta. He's 84. He started boxing in his five. So he's got 79 years of martial experience. Wow. And he was saying how he had an instructor that showed him eight different defenses to a specific technique. And the instructor tells him, now, Dan, three of these will work for you. Two of these may work for you and three of these will absolutely never, ever work for you on any given day. And this is when, you know, Guru Nasanta was younger and he says, well, why are you going to make me learn all of them? And the instructor stops the class and he looks at him and he says, because the three that work for you may not work for someone else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remember you've told this story and I think it's so good because, you know, there's this constant battle between, um, keeping it simple. And, you know, having that paralysis analysis. And for me, like, I always am going to lean towards, like, I want to learn more. I want to know more. The tricky part is, is like knowing that, you know, a lot of this stuff may not be applicable until the situation presents itself.
2: Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and like you say, it's, it's easy to add a bunch of superfluous stuff that we'll never use. So if we're able to knock it down to the lowest common denominator and then, you know, Bruce Lee's martial art philosophy of absorb what is useful, discard what is useless, and then add what is specifically your own. We can apply that as entrepreneurs, as parents, as spouses, as, you know, anything, if you, if you look at it, if you can apply it that way. So that's why, again, mindset, philosophy, and then practicality will all meld and dovetail nicely if we're able to kind of see it from a high level view.
0: And and I think the thing that's beautiful about Jeet Kundo is that it's, it's this amalgam of things that work you know like that's how I that's how I see it obviously I've never practiced it but the way I understand it Bruce Lee was like all right I see all the stuff here the old gung fu stuff like and there's a lot of it that doesn't really work and we're just gonna go ahead and remove the superfluous and we're gonna and I'm sure he added a bunch of new stuff did you um Robert told me that 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 this event that you're, and I know we're getting ahead, we're going to get to this later, but Robert said that you were going to teach him some jujitsu. So like you've been doing jujitsu as well.
2: Uh, I've done jujitsu for a long time, but the the primary thing that I'm going to focus on at my event is to kind of teach some very basic fundamental ideas of Jeet Kune Do, which is okay. martial art and give just some very fundamental techniques, but then show how that all applies and show again how that simplicity is is functional in most of these situations, and then interweave that philosophy in there so now it all makes sense. Um, but one of the concepts that they, we talk about in G is the idea of if I teach you one technique, you learn one technique, but if I teach you a concept, I teach you a thousand techniques. Ah, that's and that's so kind good. of the way I want to do it.
0: I'm no, I'm noticing that with jujitsu is that like you know it's it is more about concepts because it's a it's a constant flow. It's not like mm-hmm. you know step one, step two. Like you know you you need to the guys who are really good are basically just flowing and having okay, this didn't work. I'm going to go to the next thing and that didn't work, and then it's a counter. It's a beautiful thing when you think about it, man. Because it's I just love watching it. Yeah, the guys who are who are advanced like most of the time they, there are times when they you see them spaz out and they do something quick because the right. opportunity presents itself but this whole concept that they've been talking about is like you know slow is smooth smooth is fast and it's just a constant moving and and, and that's that can't be done if you're just learning moves it, it needs to be concepts like you said
2: it, it absolutely is true and and that's the where the beauty of Jiu-Jitsu is, and it's, it's also in Jikundo and any other high level art. If you're a good practitioner of it in jiu for example, if I have the guy in side control, if I'm trying to, I feel him push into me and I transition into neon belly within <laughs> the, those are, those are two big, you know, positions, but within those, there are literally a thousand small snapshots that occur between the transition yep. of one thing to the other. So if my opponent feels me shift my weight and now he tries to shrimp out, if I try to go neon belly, I may miss it. So I can either maintain my position or maybe he puts his arm out when he pushes. Now I transition and I roll to the opposite side into the arm bar. And so again, there's all these things that are within that. But again, that's where that, we talked about intellectual empathy. This is physical empathy. Empathy by definition means I sense what this person senses. I feel what this person feels. So if I can give a certain intention with my body to set him up for something, or if I feel his intention as he's trying to escape, That's exactly where I go. So in jujitsu, they say, I don't win. I let him lose. That's
0: so good. Yeah. And I, I, one of the guys who taught me the other day, um, we were doing a a gi class and it was just me Mm -hmm. and him because it was empty. He was talking about this, this, um, this whole thing where, you know, there's times when he's like making grimaces and, and making Mm -hmm. the person think that the person's actually doing something and it's not doing anything. And then there's times when there's, a lot of pain involved and, you know, knowing that this is just going to be pain. It's not going to be, it can't result in a submission, this thing. And, Mm -hmm. um, and that is, that has to be empathy because he's, he's feeling the other guy and he's responding.
2: That's exactly it. And it's just like anything else as well. If, if you've been under somebody's side control for a long time and that shoulder's buried into your throat and they're just putting all kinds of pressure on you, if you've done that enough times, then now when it's your turn to be on top, you know what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. Again, because you're on both sides of the, the spectrum. And and it's just like anything else. If you're a smaller person, then you're probably gonna be stuck in side control by a bigger guy often. But again, there's gonna be certain advantages that you have because of your size, your um technical prowess, etc. You know, you think of a person like Kyotera compared to say like a uh Mushado they're very, it's still jujitsu, but they are very different games because of the different body structures, the different mindsets. Um, and so that's where, again, that's where it's a very beautiful, you know, manifestation of, of the philosophy and the technique of, of martial arts.
0: Hegan is, is unreal, man. Have you, I'm sure you've seen it. Like his breathing stuff is just on a whole different level, man.
2: Yeah, it 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 truly is. And like you said, it's the same perfect example of that. You have a guy that's got neon belly. Well, if you're trying to do deep belly breaths at that time, you're probably going to be in a bad plot. But if you can breathe (laughs) in your chest, or if the guy's on your chest and now you can breathe from your stomach, and again, you understand that, yeah, I can do this. Or even if you're good enough to hold your breath a little bit, that allows you that opportunity to maybe explode or to give the intent of exploding to get the reaction so that you can escape or you can at least transition to where it's comfortable. It's that battle of inches and millimeters that gets you to the next level. Very few times are you going to explode into something without getting caught in something else, which is why, again, what we do as entrepreneurs plotting forward one small step at a time, forward, forward, forward. That's what keeps us moving, continually getting that compounding effect on our ROI of anything we do.
1: Yes. That's so awesome. And I'm so glad we have our boys in jujitsu now. I didn't, really appreciate um how like humbling it is <clears throat> and how much they need it until yes. until now because they were like in another type of martial arts that it was kind of one of those like everybody gets a, a trophy, belt mill the belts <laughs> everybody's getting a yeah, belt every every, every month everybody gets a belt and that's not how it is at all here and you know like the, watching them get submitted by girls and kids that are smaller <laughs> yeah. than them,
0: It's just from day one too. There was no time period. That
1: spazzing out thing—it's not going to work here. You have to just be so much more focused, and it's just awesome to see them like grow and like actually start to think about it instead of just you know spazz. Because Desmond kind of just like would spazz out. But Desmond is doing some. I
0: saw him the other day, man. He's he's getting. He got someone in an arm bar. Mm -hmm. He did this. He did. He's doing some. The spazzing thing, if if you know. (laughs) <laughs> if you have control, like there's certain things that he'll do, like he'll flip around and he'll, he'll, there's things that he's doing that I'm like, yeah. wow, this is actually now because he's fast yeah, to his benefit. Right.
1: Right. Right. I love that. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about diet and how that can affect your mindset. Cause I think that's huge. And we talk a lot about it, um, a lot about that as well.
2: Oh, absolutely. I've been um, keto for the last year now and it's, I remember Danny saying it. I remember Robert telling me that, especially Robert, he was saying, he, in his mind, he says, that's like the ultimate hack for a person who's trying to be efficient, whether it be an entrepreneur or a person who's like a CEO or a person who just wants to be better at their job. Um, he says oh, yeah. it, it, it makes you feel like you're almost on caffeine without being on caffeine. And, <laughs> and once I got through the, uh, you know, once I understood to keep my electrolytes up higher and keep myself from going into some of those bad places in the keto flu, once I was through that, I, I absolutely agree with it. Um it's it's an incredible way to really understand it made so much sense now. Like you would see the standard American person that would have a whole bunch of sugar in the morning with coffee and then they go to work and they'd be kind of a zombie and then they get lunchtime and they're eating a bunch more of unnecessary yeah. carbohydrates, you know, processed sugars, whatever. And then they have the audacity to be surprised when they feel like they wanna go into a diabetic coma and pass out, you know, half a day. Yeah. And that's, that's what so many people do. Um, And everybody listening to this obviously is is sort of in the ketogenic idea, but again, taking that five day fast and seeing what my body could do, if I allowed it to do what it was supposed to do, that was so important. And again, that mindset was so different. So if I'm trying to eat the best food that I can, the best quality food that I can, and I tell myself I can not have carbohydrates or I can't have this. It instinctually makes me want to have
0: it. It's the forbidden fruit. <laughs> yes. Maura's the same. I'm the same. <laughs> Maura's the same. You can't tell her that she can't have it because she's gonna. That's. It happens to me with
1: fasting. Like it almost yeah. has to happen naturally. Like if I say I'm gonna fast, two I have, hours later you're I'm starving, starving already. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm hungry.
2: <laughs> and this is and this is where that five day fast is good because now what I did instead of saying I can't have this, I said I can have as much air as I want. I can breathe as much as I want. I, I can <laughs> yeah, consume can as much water as I want. I can meditate as much as I want. I can exercise the way I would normally if I focused Mm -hmm. on the stuff that I could, when I accentuate what I can have, as opposed to looking at what I cannot have. That gives me power. I empower myself. I'm choosing to not allow myself to be disempowered by those other things. And there were a few days when I was hungry, I won't lie. But at that point, once you've already had a couple of days of the fast end, or even a day of the fast end, it really strengthens your, your resolve. And even if you do yeah. break down and, and have something, you say, I'm going to do five days, you get two in, you're still much better off than you would have been than if you say, you know what, I can't have this. And now all of a sudden, because what happens is if we self-sabotage like that, it kind of makes us feel badly about ourselves and it kind of takes oh, our, yeah. our self-confidence. And now it's like, man, see, yeah. I, I fell down there and see, I dropped the ball over here and see, I don't have any, I don't have any kind of confidence. I don't have any kind of discipline. It's like, that's not the case necessarily, but. It's easy to get into a mental downward spiral if we're not careful.
0: You know, I, I, I'm acutely uh, aware of this. You know, just thinking about it after this weekend, I was at the Metabolic Health Summit mm-hmm. and Aubrey Marcus spoke, and it was really refreshing because, you know, everybody's talking about, you know, the newest technologies, the newest treatments, all the newest science. And he was something completely different. You know, he was talking about, and there's a lot of concepts that he talked about that you just spoke about right now where, not only do we treat our bodies like crap, but we also, we, we abuse them mentally as well. Like, so we, 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 we treat our bodies like crap. Like a lot of us will, we'll eat the wrong things. We'll, we won't sleep enough. We won't rest enough. We won't exercise enough when, when we, a lot of us know that that can help us feel mentally better. But then when our bodies break down from what we're doing we, we hate our bodies. We're angry at our bodies. And, and that negative self-talk that you were talking about, it, it happens so much. And, you know, little gratitude will go a long way where you're just, you're just like, Hey, he mentioned like the, like, you know, his ankles messed up and he's like, you know, Hey ankle, you know, I know you're trying hard. I know you want me to walk, you know, and you're, you're, I'm going to work with you, you know, cause you're doing your job. I'll pull my, I'll pull my weight. You pull your weight. We And it's okay. We'll get through this together. And I think like, there's a lot to be said about the way we talk to ourselves and, um, and how, and, and what happens, how it manifests physically. You know, I'm sure that's something that that you've built in. What are what are some practical tips for people like if they I'm sure the first one would be being mindful of them. But what are some practical practical tips that you can give to people that, you know, they tend to fall into this negative self-talk? They may not even be aware of it, but they, they do it all the time.
2: Yeah, that's and this is where it's so important to be able to put yourself into a third person perspective because it takes all the emotion out of it. So one of the classic examples in coaching is they say, would you tolerate your internal dialogue if you received it from a friend?
1: <laughs> That's good. So good. Right.
2: Good. Because you yeah. probably like, um, yeah. I don't want to talk to you anymore. You block them on all social media, but if it's ourselves, somehow, <laughs> but if it's ourselves, like we take the gloves off and we get dirty and we're trying to, you know, intellectually sucker punch ourselves, but we have to give ourselves that same amount of, uh, again, of empathy. And that's where it's it's easier to do if I can step outside of it and say, listen, if my friend were explaining to me what they were thinking right now or the mindset that they have right now because of this perception of failure, what would I tell them? So it's almost like when you have like you have a friend who's having an argument with their boyfriend or girlfriend. It's easy for us on the outside to to see what to do because we're not in the heat of battle. So it's right. a, it's the same way if we can reverse the roles and just look at it objectively and take our emotion out of it and say, well, what should I be doing here? Or is this really true? And if we can do it like that, it takes the pressure off of us and allows us to have a truly objective mentality of where we go. Um, Danny, we talked about this before, but I do it also with something I call the adversity scale. So at the very top of the scale, at 10 is the worst thing you've ever encountered in your life. and then at, oh, yeah. And then at zero is heaven on earth. And so if we look at what we're complaining about or crying about or bitching about or moaning about or pissing about right now and say, man, like on a scale of one to of zero to 10 on the adversity scale, where is this really at? And lots of times, if we're really honest, it's usually around a two or a three, maybe a four. Yeah. And, yeah. and now now here's the other thing. So I can either do that and be like, man, I shouldn't be bitching about that. But the other thing that it shows me is if I'm at a four It also shows me that, look, there's six more clicks up that I could go to if I absolutely had to. So it helps me understand that there's more that I could be getting for myself. And that by seeing where I truly stand from an objective standpoint, it helps me see, you know what, maybe I'm making too much out of this. And so that's something that's pragmatic and practical that they can do right now, whether it be on a piece of paper or just in their mind. And it takes a lot of that that self-sabotage out of it. And it helps you take a deep breath and go, okay yeah, maybe I fell down, but I'm just going to get back up and keep moving forward. And that's what keeps us continuing to evolve. Because if we just keep keep that there and we keep just beating ourselves up, we'll never get to the next level. And then that will make us, what, it'll make us be paralyzed by analysis again. So now we don't move forward with anything. And all of a sudden in two weeks, it's like, oh, I haven't really pulled the trigger on anything because I'm afraid I'm going to fall down. The idea is to build enough resilience in yourself and trust in yourself to know that you are strong and that if you do fall down, that's part of the game. You can get back up and you'll be fine. Just like with your boys in jujitsu, they get tapped out. That doesn't mean that they lost. It just means that they tap and they say, I am ready to absorb the knowledge again.
0: Yes. Yeah. So good. That's, and that's going to be such a valuable lesson for yeah. the rest of their lives. And
1: that's kind of goes hand in hand. Like we always tell our sons, like, um, winners don't lose. They learn, you yeah. know? So, especially with something like martial arts, like there's something to learn from that as well. But thank you for that. Cause I really love that whole looking at it from a third person view. That's something that I could totally use in the heat of the moment when it comes to my kids, because I'm really good at like, and, and I'm good depending on the day and stuff like that. And I'm always trying to get better, but it's so much easier to, you know, give your friend advice on a parenting situation than when it's like on you and it's happening. So just like removing yourself and thinking about that. Like, what would I tell my friend right Maura's now? Maura's
0: mad right now. How should I, how should I approach <laughs> her about this?
2: <laughs>
1: that's
0: what you got to be telling yourself.
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's very practical. I love that. And then also just, I feel like gratitude is also just such a quick fix for anything. You know, like if I'm complaining about cleaning, which I usually am, that's like my main complaint. <laughs> that's our main complaint. Because like, so I, I do help
0: everything. a little bit.
1: <laughs> but
0: she says that I need to be helping a lot more. But
1: that's also me being a control freak and wanting everything done the way I do mm-hmm. it. So I have to be just thankful for what I get. I'm going to record and this, use
0: this as like a, a playback thing. So I
1: have no, to but I've, f- I've I, well, here's the thing. I've been getting better because I've, I'm, I'm thankful that I, that Danny is my husband. So really it's all about just the way that I say things, because when I ask him, He'll like, if I just ask him to do something, he'll do it. It's just like, he doesn't, he's not aware. And I have to sometimes she gets really angry that she has to ask me and I'm "I'm sick of asking. We have
0: things that we both have to work on. Like I, my biggest problem is that I have zero tolerance for any type of complaining. And it's, it's to the point where it, it, it it puts a wall between me and her because you know, she's on a, on a continuum. She's gotten much more positive but she's not where Danny thinks she needs to be. Right. So, you know, and that's not cool because, you know, the other day, it was a few months we ago. We also had
1: like very different like upbringings and I yeah. kind of grew up around a lot more of that. <laughs> and so it's yeah. just, it is, it's like, you really have to break the cycle and I catch myself in it. And I'm just like, Oh, I can't even stand myself. But then of course, what do I do? Your I'm self-loathe. trying to not, instead of self loathe, right. Just try to like be kinder to myself, apologize, move forward. And then just, you know, try to be more mindful.
2: That, that's the key, and and I I call it cleaning the slate. It's about communication. So if, if yeah. Danny does something that aggravates you, or vice versa, and, and and you guys know each other well enough to where you can sense it. Again, there's that empathy, that practical empathy. Oh yeah, and you can sense it. If you can take two minutes and just say, you know, Danny, what are you upset about, or what did I do? And then if he just says nothing, well, then there's nothing that you can really do now he may tell you
0: yeah I would never say yeah that. right
2: <laughs> Now <laughs> I'll be like this is exactly what you did <laughs> but, but what it is is by doing that is it takes it takes the momentum away from that and now it doesn't fester it doesn't grow it doesn't get built upon and if you can do that before you go to bed every night that allows you to sleep with a little bit more peace of mind literally and it also helps you wake up in a better mood because if you go to bed and you're mad at each other and then you wake up you're like well there's the person I'm still mad at because they wouldn't pick up their socks <laughs> It compounds, right? So it amplifies. Oh,
0: it man. It does so you, And it does. Yeah. It, it's sad to watch because yeah. it'll, it'll just degenerate. The, the relationship will just rock. Exactly.
1: Yeah. We try to not ever go to bed, mad. That's one thing that we try to and never do. So yeah. It's happened a few times, but for the Very most part, few. I really try to not go to bed. And, and even. Mad. Yeah. Because it does it like faster. Yeah. And
2: like you said, <laughs> and even the, the idea that we've even put this out there and that because that's the elephant in the room. Here's the reality. Most people are used to dancing around an elephant in the room and they get used to it. So that's the norm. <laughs> like, have you ever yeah. moved out of a house and then been like, Man, look at all this room we had. That's what happens when you take the elephant <laughs> out of the room. It's like now you have all this room to communicate and breathe and, and appreciate. Yeah. And that's that. what the idea is. is so I love be that. very honest. You guys are in love, clearly. You are very honest with each other and yourselves. So you're mature enough and you had the faculties to not allow that to take power from you. Because if it's taking power from anything that you're doing right now, because you're a team. That means it jeopardizes what you could be doing together in the long run,
1: so true, yep, yeah, love that all right,
0: so I want to take it to the to the next level because I know you know this is happening kind of often, and I think a lot of people are getting really, really cool um benefits from immersing themselves in some sort of event, and you know I know that that's one of the new things that you're working on um i'm I'm super interested in this um why don't you tell us a little bit about? Um, the event that you have coming at the end of March and what your mission is on that and, uh, you know, who this is for and, and all of
2: that. Absolutely, Danny. Thank you so much for asking that. I've, I've got to speak and, you know, many, many times and I've got to share the stage with some, some, you know, people that you may have heard of. But what I, I dislike so much is that people will go there and either they'll get pinched a bunch of other stuff which I feel is sort of disrespectful if they've already spent a bunch of money and time to commit to come to the thing or they'll feel good for about 10 minutes and then they'll, when they leave, they just pretty much forget all about it. So yeah. what I'm doing is I'm doing a live event. It's called do the work. And the idea is to put the entire idea of being physical, which is what we all are starting with the physicality, understanding how we can actually apply that to make us more efficient, whatever we're doing, talk a little bit about diet as well, and then talk about mindset. But I'm going to put it in a manner. So again, I'll be teaching some of that G Kendo that you were discussing before. Awesome. I'll be teaching some of that. No, nobody's going to be a black belt. Nobody's going to get certified. But you'll have a few techniques and you'll have a, an experience to where now you can take not just the technique, but you can take the concept and apply it to other ideas in your life. Um, I'm going to be talking a lot about the mental mindset that I use for CEOs, for executives, for entrepreneurs, some stuff from my book as well, obviously. And then the only other person that I'm going to allow to speak at this event is uh, a gentleman named Matt Gagnon, who's a really great friend of mine. I, I trust him implicitly, and he's going to be speaking very much in the same vein of which I do. So it's going to be a weekend where I'm trying to challenge people, not just from a physical standpoint, but from like an intellectual standpoint, an emotional standpoint. And just like everybody who follows me knows that adversity is a catalyst that forces us to change and to level up yeah and for so many of us we try to resist it we try to step away from it but in all of our lives all of the the greatness that we're trying to find is hidden within the adversity that we're trying to avoid
0: <laughs> so true <laughs> so true man so,
2: so true that's what as i'm doing there it's going to be a, it's going to be a great event we're going to have a great time we're going to have a lot of fun it's going to be incredible camaraderie and the quality of people that are going to be there uh, and i want to take this moment now if I want to invite both of you to come down. I would love to have you. It will be, you'll be my guests. Just come down, just come here and it would be an excellent opportunity. Robert's going to be there and the level and caliber of people that you're going to find there, just the ability to kind of be around other people that are from your same ilk is something that I think you would both enjoy immensely. And I think you would have an amazing time and and maybe learn a little bit in the process as well.
0: I, I totally agree with this. I think I'll learn a ton. And I think that, um, This event, I'm, I'm already aware of this because I've been fortunate enough to be at other types of events where you're around these type of people that, that you should be around. But it could be the catalyst for some people who are new and they go to the event to realize that, wow, when I go back home, I'm going to eliminate all of the waste and, you know, get, get rid of the people who are sucking from my life and, 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 you know, associate with the people who are, who are going to, I, of course I have something to offer them. They have something to offer me. Um, and when is this, this is at the end of March, right?
2: Yes. It's a uh, March 30th. It'll be in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it's sort of centrally located so I can draw kind of from the, the coast, but also from, you know, Texas, you know, Missouri, anywhere like that. And I wanted to make it something that was, that was going to be pragmatic and, and also entertaining, but also allow people an opportunity to, when they leave, they have a specific game plan. They will already have a bunch of goals in mind and they'll have something set out before them that as soon as they leave, they can just continue to move forward with that. And that's why doing the work is so important. Giving you a bunch of concepts is great, but if you cannot apply it, it's like having a bunch of pieces to a puzzle, but you can't put them together.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: It's all in the work. Yep. I would love to uh, I would love to do that. So I'm gonna talk with Maura like I told you before. <laughs> I'm gonna talk with Maura about it and Yeah, it would
1: be hard for us both to go at some point, you know, once my um kids mainly are more- my little one, because Desmond is old enough to like go to places, but my little one, he's such like a little yeah. animal. He's like a prime so primal. Like yeah. <laughs> But um <laughs> once they get older, like we we wanna take our kids to these things too and have them be exposed to all these amazing ideas as well. But Yeah, Danny can probably go.
0: Hey, everybody. Sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to let you guys know about a company we've been a fan of for over a year now. Um, This is a really cool company because, number one, they're convenient. They make some delicious products, and they were also so cool when Dean had the accident. They said that's a great care package. The boys love their products. We love their products. They're convenient, and that's Real Good Foods. Real Good Foods has chicken crust pizzas, cauliflower pizzas. They have these awesome enchiladas that the boys love. Good products, low-carb, keto-friendly. And if you see the comparison compared to actual other packaged foods, there's no comparison. So um, they have a store locator. They're available at places like Walmart and supermarkets. I've also seen them even at Vitamin Shop, which is pretty cool. And if you wanted to shop for them locally, um, you can look at the store locator online. But we have a code, and it's Fat Fueled Fam, and that'll give you $10 off your order. So if you're in a time pinch and you don't have time to cook yourself a nice home-cooked meal, definitely look into real good foods they get the fat-fueled family seal of approval and uh without any further ado back to our show Um, um, yeah this is a good segue for the next yeah
1: which is a good segue we wanted to talk to you about like um developing the right mindset in kids because we i think that there's definitely an like personality types and like how it's just more natural. Like for example, our little one, he's just so much more tough. Um He's the one, he's the one also that got hit by our car. And it's just like that people ask me how he's doing. And I'm like, this kid is just tough as nails. He's the one in, in, in sparring class getting punched, in, punched the in the face. The face and like he's like a, like a rock'em sock'em yeah.
0: doll. He's getting punched. And then yeah. he's like, okay, yeah. it's my turn to punch now. And then he punches right. him back. Yeah. yeah, He's
1: just like tough a tough kid and then you know our older one he's so much more emotional he gets yeah. so much more not offended but like sad about sad and
0: he's and, empathetic which is and, a, and, and it's credit. good
1: that that is a good quality so it's like a hard balance like trying to i want to i want him to stay empathetic but not be not, but not be fragile you know like build resilience in him And it's hard for us because we get frustrated so much. We're like, dude. Yeah,
0: man. If like, this is, this is, if someone were to have me on their podcast and ask me the first question that you, that we asked you about the most critical problem, that's currently the most critical problem we're trying to solve is trying to build resilience in our oldest because, you know, he's not happy if he's being that way. And like, you know, happiness is just a few steps away. But you know we're trying to figure out what those steps are. We're we're you know, yeah. so how do how do you uh, approach that, or have you thought about that with kids?
2: Absolutely. And is he in jujitsu as well? Correct.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah He's he been is. doing it since November. Oh, yeah. The boys started in November, and then yeah. I started in December.
2: Yeah. So Beautiful, That's gonna help. It, it truly is, and all we can really do is. Uh, just like we were saying before, if if I say that you can't do something, it, it essentially makes us want to do that. And sometimes the same way when it comes to mindset, if you're somebody that's telling them, listen, I'm trying to tell you what to do here and it's going to help you. Lots of times it almost has to be like the movie Inception where you plant the seed and then you step away from it and <sighs> it has to come full circle. Yeah. And they have to start, they have to almost be like the ones that come up with it on their own. And then yeah. one day they're going to be like, mom, daddy, look, you know, I went to this, blah, 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 blah. So that's one way to do it. Again, leading by example is key, which I know that you both lead by example in a tremendous manner. Um, but what we have to do is we have to just give them two things: permission to fail and safety in that failure.
0: Oh, that's yes. good. Yeah,
2: and, and so basically, fall,
0: managed environments where you're where you're putting them in a position to fail, and then you know being there when they do fail.
2: Exactly. Jiu-Jitsu is a great example of micro adversity. Um the, the person gets the takedown, you try to block the shoot, you try to get your leg out, and now you're in side control and now the person all of a sudden now they transition to, to mount. Those are micro adversities. Yeah. But within any of that capacity, there's a transition to where you can go to half guard, you can go to guard, you can take their back if you're on the bottom. And this is where all these opportunities lead. So they have to understand that any mistake now is simply an investment in the future. And if they can have that resilience to understand, like I said before, you don't have to win right now. You just have to have to, the belief that you're willing to fall down enough times to that you will win. And yeah. there is no child who has negative self-talk when they, when they're born. A lot of it is stuff that they pick up from somewhere around them, or it's something yeah. that they've allowed to, to just manifest in them. So it's okay for him to feel like that because now as the jujitsu continues and he has that self-discovery he will eventually build that resilience. But for us as adults, you know, it, it seems like a drop in the bucket, but remember how young he is, you know, yeah. uh, six months to him feels like a lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> that's so true. by giving him that support system and letting them fall down often without a whole lot of negative repercussions is how they build that, that mentality and that resilience and that mindset that will serve them for the rest of their days.
1: Love that.
0: Yeah. For me, like it's definitely, um, our kids are our biggest teachers, 100%. Like it, yeah. it's made me the best version of myself. And I still catch myself like not being 100% consistent because like a month ago or so, my Maura and I were both watching Desmond and like during the live rolling, he's laughing and, and the kid that he's with, they're just like, you know, laughing and, you know, butt grabbing and, you know, doing whatever that, that type of play mm-hmm. is. And I was just like, in my mind, I'm just like, I'm getting upset now because I'm like, you know, he's no, not, he's not taking, he's not taking advantage <laughs> of this. And then uh, there was a guy, just a blue belt, you know, he was sitting next to me and, and I felt for the first time, like the uninitiated parent who that's not usually how I feel. I'm always feeling very confident in being a father and like, you know, cause we do so much work and he's like, you know what, man, he's having fun. And if he's here and he's having fun, he's going to keep doing this. So I was like, Like, oh, man, (laughs) I was totally like focused on the outcome where I'm telling everybody, don't be focused on the outcome. Be focused on the training and and all that. (laughs) You know, I'm like, dang, that's a that's a glaring weakness right there that I have to like watch out for. I'm sure a lot of parents go through it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, And that's a beautiful example of it. Like you said, your desired outcome is not the same as your as your child's.
0: Yeah, um, that's, exactly. they're, they're go figure. They're their own person. I, I know my parents <laughs> have to deal with that a lot because every, every decision I've made, they've been like, what? And every time it works out at this point, they're just like, oh, whatever. I get it. He'll, he'll be fine. Yeah,
1: I
2: yeah. know. Yeah, because you have fallen down enough times that you know that you can get yourself back up and your son's learning that. And again, child's, a lot of that, inter- what they really need, again, is that ability to, to play, to have fun. And he, that blue belt was absolutely correct. If they are more likely to have a good time, they're more likely to come back. Um, and there's some kids, again, we we see that there's a lot of competitive nature in that. So if they have the capacity to be playful with it, that means that they have an additional dimension as opposed to having this idea of, I've got to win, I've got to get the tap, I've got to win the trophy, I've got to get the medal, I've got to go to the next tournament, I have to have a stripe on my belt. Those things are important for progression, obviously, but they are not the be-all, end-all. The, the be-all, end-all right. of this is to be a better person a better human being, and to use these arts to defend somebody who may not be able to defend themselves if, it, if the time actually arises. And that's where that confidence comes from.
0: Yeah. And when you were talking earlier about about how, you know, jujitsu is going to be a way to develop that resilience, I was definitely thinking about, you know, when I watch him, sometimes he's like, you know, he'll get caught and he'll laugh, you know, he'll just be like, ah, he got me, you know, like, and, and that's definitely encouraging to me because it's just telling me that there's just a disconnect that he's not making that connection between that and other events in his life like his brother bothering him which is an ongoing thing yeah you that's know?
1: his main issue
0: yeah, his brother's is, his brother's that, on man it's that dean is control super smart sometimes.
1: and he kind of like
0: he knows he when he knows, gets the reaction he, he just, doesn't do it on purpose sometimes cuz he's, he's also you know
1: yeah but sometimes he does like yeah. when he knows it's bothering desmond like he's He'll just, turn it up, he's yeah. our wild child for sure he's just like, <laughs> He does not care. And he beats up he, on his older brother. <laughs> when he loses in, in, like, jiu-jitsu when they're playing sumo, he gets more pissed. Like, Dean? He's, yeah, oh, yeah, he has to win. He hates
0: losing, period. Like, yeah, like that's, earlier got that this you. morning, when I was outside yeah. doing my workout, they were outside playing, and they they were racing, and, and Desmond is going to beat him. Of Obviously. course he's going to beat him. And and Desmond's like, Dean, you got second place. And I'm like, yeah, that's silver, you know? And Desmond's like, yeah, silver, Dean's silver. like, no.
1: Yeah, he's he like, <laughs>
0: do that. <laughs> Oh man. Well, we're going a little bit long, but I wanted to, um, ask you one more thing because I don't think I've heard you talk about this and I'd love to get, you know, in your mind as far as practical, like everyday things that you do. So like, you know, a morning routine and evening routine on a typical day for you, like, what does that look like?
2: The the morning routines are are pretty much similar, but I'll, I'll give people something that they may not think about. I've had some people that that are clients that will talk about they've wanted to do morning routines before, but they think that they have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and have an <laughs> 11-hour process. And they're like, there's no way I can do that, man. So my morning is I get up early um, and I, I, I get the workout in because that physically primes my body. After the workout, I hydrate. I get in a cold shower with the whole Wim Hof idea of breathing. Um, Very cool. And then at the end of the shower, I go under warm water so I can actually rinse all the uh, workout off of me. And then from that, I'm when I'm in that cold shower, I'm also thinking of like mantras, like things that feel make me feel empowered or strong. Because instead of focusing on the hardship of the cold shower, I'm thinking of the resilience that I'm building mentally when I face this hardship, this adversity, if you will. Once I get out, now I'm primed to write. So now I'm writing down my intentions, what I want to do for the day. For me, I have goals and I write them down ten times a piece. And that programs my reticular activating system to really start seeing those opportunities. Um the reticular activating system, I know you know, but your 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 listeners may not know. If you see a if you think about a blue car and you think about it once and you're looking for a blue car, eventually if you're in traffic, you're gonna see blue cars everywhere because the oh, particular yeah. activating system is very cognizant and starts looking for those opportunities. It's the same thing with pessimism or optimism. If I start looking for hardship, I will find it everywhere. Oh yeah. (sighs) Yeah. But if I look for opportunities everywhere, guess what? That's what starts manifesting in my life because I'm very receptive to it. So that's what I do. And then I get on with my, my clients or my conversations or whatever it is. But for some people, that may be too much. So for some people, they may just get up in the morning, stretch for a couple of minutes, say a couple of things, think of a few things that make them feel strong, think about what they need to get done that day, and then get to it. But the main thing is to have something that you can do consistently, whether it be an hour or 10 seconds that puts you in that place, that puts you in that mindset. Maybe you splash cold water in your face and saying something positive to yourself three or four times wakes you up and primes you for the day. So for me, being able to have a great workout is great, but also there's times when I'm traveling that I may not have that capacity. But if I can do uh, a Tabata burpees for four minutes and then jump in the shower, boom, I'm ready to go, man, let's do it. You know, that's the way I look okay, at I it. I love it. Um, at night I try to deescalate. I do the opposite. So I do warm water in the evenings because it helps calm me down. Cold water or something cold in the mornings helps kind of wrap me up. And then just like we were talking about, you know, if you have blue glasses for your, for your eyes to keep that, the, the electronics off of you, that's, that's perfect. And then if you can just do something to make peace with that day, when I'm brushing my teeth, people talk about gratitude, but when I brush my teeth, I think about three things that day that were adversities that I overcame. And then I ask what I learned from them.
0: Oh, that's great. That's a great way to frame it, you know? It's so good. Uh, what about, let me just ask, I'm just curious because we, mantras are a big thing for us too. Like I took Desmond on a hike. It was like five and a half miles, I think, total yeah, that we did. Rough. And my goal was to get lost. And I'm like, this is easy. I have the worst sense of direction ever.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's easy for <laughs> and sure, sure enough, we nose
0: got, nose. <laughs> <laughs> we got lost. And I'm like, I'm yeah, like,
1: we I drive got- places that we've been to like, yeah. Dozens of times. And he's like, do I turn here? I'm like, dude,
0: I'll be in the mall. I'll, I'll walk into a store and then I'll walk back out and, and I'll be no like, I don't you know where from. I came from. Yeah. I just, in, in my mind, I'm like, this is unnecessary information when I'm with Maura. So she's so going to do it. But <laughs> <laughs> it's delegating. I'm delegating. I agree.
1: I also have like a good sense of
0: direction. Yeah. She has a really good yeah. sense of direction, but like with Desmond, um, that hike, I was like, today we're going to work on mantras. And so I said, look, I I kind of gave him a preface, like, this is going to be hard. I've never been on this trail. We're probably going to get lost. And to be honest, I want to get lost. And um, sure enough, we got lost and it was hot and it was nasty. And he, I was like, now is a good time to develop a mantra. And I hear him behind me whispering to himself and he's like saying different things. And then finally he got his mantra and his mantra that he says is, you got this. No one's better than you. (laughs) So what are, what are, what's an example of a mantra for you? Cause it's mantras are so powerful.
2: They absolutely are. Um, there's different ones. Um, I've I've said things like this is hard, but I'm stronger than this. Um, I've done things where I just have an expectation. I expect to win. Um, I expect success. Uh, This is not better than I am. This is not stronger than I am. Um, those kind of things, something that's very small that's easy to repeat, and then you can do those some people like to do them in a certain amount of order or some people like to do them in a certain number. The main thing is again, once you kind of attach emotion to that mantra now you once you've kind of got it placed into your 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 psyche, you may have to say it a hundred times you know a day initially, but then eventually you get to the point where you can just say i'm stronger than this, yes, and boom now all of a sudden you're ready to go you're primed like. In LP they talk about it with like hand gestures or putting their fingers on their temple or whatever and it creates this physical response to us yes so it's it's a really great indication of how powerful the mind is if we allow it to work for us as opposed to against us
0: that is fantastic man I, I can't tell you how grateful I am for you uh, spending time with us we had we learned a ton um, do you have any questions left my Okay. So then I just want to give you one more opportunity to kind of tell everybody where to find you because, you know, more people need to know about what you're putting out. Your Instagram is awesome. Your book is awesome. So and where, where can-, can
1: they find more info about the event?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: We'll put all that in the show notes. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But just like Danny was saying, if you go to anywhere on social, if you look at me on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn or any of those places, I'm going to have it in my bio somewhere so you can actually click on that, learn more about the event. And I'm only taking a certain amount of people. So if you are serious about doing it, you should probably get on it as quickly as you can. And that's that's what a lot of that's about. Um, my TEDx talk is free. You can find it on YouTube, uh, The Gift of Adversity. My book, The Gift of Adversity. Overcoming paralysis and pain to find purpose, you can find that on Amazon. And again, if you go to any of my social media or if you go to my website, Anderson dot com. That's all one word. You can find pretty much anything on there that that's going to put you in the right direction. And I, I can't thank you all enough. I really, really loved our conversation. It was a very edifying for me as well. And a, it's it's a pleasure to get to spend some time with you both.
0: Oh man, I can't wait for us to meet in person. And I feel totally the same, man. You know, you you are embodying a lot of the stuff that, that we try to embody. And so like just your example alone, um, is, is valuable for us. So thank you, man.
2: Uh, Thank you so much. I'm honored and humbled to be here. All right, guys. See you next week.